Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and bienvenue to the Arsenal Women Arsecast, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the Arsenal women's team, the champions of England no less. You're with me, Tim Stillman, and our co-host Pippa Moni. Pippa, how are you? I'm good, thanks. I love that little French tip there. Bonjour. (laughs) Bonjour, indeed. Um, Obviously, we're in the middle of the Women's World Cup and at the moment, at time of recording, we're at the very end of the group stage, which feels like a a kind of a good time to collect our thoughts um, and impressions on the tournament so far. First of all, how, how are you enjoying it? I'm loving it. I mean, I knew it would be exciting, but like, I didn't think I'd get into it this much. I'll be honest mm-hmm. with you. But um, learning about the, uh, there's a lot of players that I was unaware of. So learning about the new players and just seeing the talent ac- across the world has been really exciting. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. Because like, I, I don't know, but from your point of view as well, but from my point of view, I'm like writing about it and podcasting about it and stuff and like maybe being relied on for a bit of expertise. But what I've enjoyed the yeah. most as well is learning about these players because like, I don't know really about the Thailand national team exactly or you know like I know like a bit about the US I know like a lot about the Netherlands and Brazil for different reasons in England and Scotland but yes and seeing like some of these South American teams as well it's like like you I've, I've just really really enjoyed not just the players but like some of their stories um, as well, what 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 kind of um, stories or or players stories or or themes from the tournament have you enjoyed the most so far? I'll be so honest. What I've enjoyed the most are the fans. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've got I've gone to quite a few of the games and I went as a fan. I wasn't in the media room for most of them. I was went as a fan, mm. and the Cameroon experience was something else <laughs> honestly like I've never been to a women's game where firstly where there were so many men and yeah. the men were proudly supporting the women like when I say singing dancing off their seats cheering for the full 90 minutes it was an experience that I've never ever experienced at a football game men or women's and I just love the the atmosphere that they bring to the ground like you could you'll hear them before during and after the game win lose or draw and I just loved it yeah, I I I tweeted something to because again at time of recording just watched a Netherlands game, um, mm-hmm. and I tweeted something today about you know because like Netherlands bringing loads of colour and noise to oh, this tournament, that's amazing. And yeah, doing these like marches to the ground, and they've got lots of songs, and they've got songs for the players, and a band that's much better than the England band. Um, <laughs> and and this is like this is an important part of promoting women's football as much as the yeah. players seeing like big crowds that are engaged in the game you know that that's like a really really big part of selling for want of a better word the product yeah that's what excites me the most about it, is the fact is the is the atmosphere when you're in the ground 
Yeah, yeah. As, and, as well as the play, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's looked, and you know, like the ticket sales have looked like variable, like some yeah. games have, have sold better than others. But yeah. but there's, I, I think you're right, there's been like really genuinely kind of like a, a bit of a party atmosphere and much more. Sometimes when you watch women's games in the past, it's just like you get the impression that right. people are sitting there looking at their phones a little bit yeah. and wondering what's going on. But I I, th- I think even like in the games where there have been slightly smaller crowds, like they, they've seemed like really, really engaged. I, I was just about to say that because as you mentioned ticket sales, uh, I was at the uh, England-Scotland game before I went to the mm. Cameroon game. And at the Cameroon-Canada game, there, I think there was about significantly like 5,000 less fans at that game but it felt like there was 10 times more because of the atmosphere yeah yeah and that's you know like even if there are empty seats like having and and this is an argument that actually goes on quite a lot in women's football when we talk about Mm. stuff like um, Arsenal playing at the Emirates for example and actually if you speak to a lot of the players they say actually we'd kind of rather play in front of 2,000 people at Boreham Wood who are into it than mm-hmm. like 10,000 people at the Emirates and loads of empty seats and about 8,000 of them aren't really engaged with what's going yeah, on and there true. is this this like pointless. yeah yeah there is this kind of tension but obviously you need those crowds to generate the interest so it's like it's very it's kind of um, yeah yeah indeed uh, for me personally I think the story of this tournament so far I've, I've really I've really enjoyed learning about some of these players that I'd never heard of before, like um, the Argentina goalkeeper Correa, who's... Oh, I was just about to say, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Epic. Yeah, yeah, and she's had a brilliant tournament and, she, you know, she quit football for like six years to bring up twins. And, wow. Um, you know, I've, I've known a little bit before the tournament about the way that, like, the Argentinian FA has, has treated... Um, the football yeah. the, the players and I think these stories have come a lot of these stories have come out and they're really important like stuff like Argentina didn't play a game for three years because their FA couldn't yeah, be bothered to that. arrange one and they weren't paying for hotels and so the girls were sleeping mm-hmm. on the bus at away games and you know then you've got Correa this, this brilliant possibly the best goalkeeper at the tournament so far and you know she didn't even play for six years because she was bringing up kids and doing other things and 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 uh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah, I did. I didn't know it before the tournament either. And, she, um, she's my new hero now. Yeah, 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 indeed. <laughs> and like, you know, and and I mean, we'll get on to the the kind of smaller goals debate later. But I've been really pleased with some of the goalkeeping in this tournament because I know that's like a real common criticism of women's football. But actually, yeah. I think I think it's been it's been quite good. So. So you, as you said, you were, you know, you've been over in France, and uh, and I believe you're going back there towards the end of the tournament. Um, so what, what have you, you? Obviously, you've been going over and seeing games, but you've been doing stuff for. Um, is it Give Me Sport Women? Yeah, Give Me Sport Women. So when we was out there, we went as, as I said, we went as a fan experience to, to basically include anyone that wasn't able to get to France for whatever reason, so they can have that experience to see what it's like to be at a World Cup especially one that's been so highly promoted, especially in England, it's been highly promoted. So, of course, the first game we went to was the England v Scotland game mm. uh, because it was like the highly anticipated game that was promoted so much over here. And the fact that it was promoted so much, I expected more, not mm. from the teams, but from, you know, like the ticket sales. So I was a bit disappointed in that. But all in all, the experience was great. Like even little things of like, see, if, you, if I went as media, I would not know this. But as a fan, we went, uh, when you go to buy your drinks, every different game at the stadiums it would say 
the game, like the fixture. It would say England v Scotland, yeah. the date, and like just little touches like that. It's really nice memorabilia for such an epic tournament. But yeah, I went there as fans. It was so, obviously the England v Scotland game was easy to interact with fans because we all speak the same language. Yep. <laughs> but when I went to uh, the France game, oh, my French is terrible. I have to be honest. <laughs> so it was so hard trying to even ask the most simple thing as what is your score prediction? I had to use Google Translate. But it was so fun because. They were just super excited to be on camera and talk about their team. So a lot of them did speak English anyway, so it was easy for me. And they were just really excited to show the passion about the team from all ages, everyone. It was it was a really nice experience. And what about um, on the ground in France, kind of away from the stadiums and in the cities? Mm-hmm. There's, there's been kind of mixed reports depending on the city about yeah. um, the level of promotion. How, how did you find it? It wasn't heavily promoted, in my opinion. I, we stayed in three different hotels for, for, for obvious reasons. We went to different games and different stadiums. And every hotel, I'm, I, I love to talk, so I speak to everyone that's like <laughs> at breakfast or whatever. And they're like, oh, what are you in France for? And I'm like, oh, the World, World Cup. They're like, there's a World Cup going on? Really? Yeah. And I'm just like, wow, you you don't know this at all. Like, it's not even promoted in the hotels. Um, it's hardly promoted on the streets. There was one strip along the Riviera mm. uh, where the train line goes that there was the, the flags, the flagpoles uh, for a good few miles. Uh, that was the only thing I saw in Cannes, um, in Nice. But when we was in Montpellier, they had a tram that mm. was all branded the Women's World Cup 2019. And see, the thing is, I can count how many branded things I saw. That's how bad it was. So, yeah, it yeah. wasn't greatly promoted. Yeah, that's kind of... Did, did you get to any of the fan zones or anything like that? I, co- I couldn't find them. Yeah. I couldn't find them. That's and that in itself probably tells a little bit of a story. Um, uh, that's, yeah. that's certainly what I've read from that. You know, some cities and towns better than others, but probably a lot more that could have been done on the ground, which is yeah. a bit of a shame. And that's probably shown in the ticket sales. Um, listen, hundred percent. Because this is um, ostensibly a podcast about Arsenal women, we should talk about some of the Arsenal players um, yeah. that have been at the tournament and. Um, I mean, first things first, Vivian Miedema, uh scoring twice against Cameroon, breaking her country's goal-scoring record at the age of 22. She's... she's... I didn't doubt her. <laughs> she's, she's quite good, isn't she, it turns out. <laughs> quite good. I would say she's excellent, mate. She's one of the best out there for her age. Literally, she's going to be the next Martha, I reckon, because Martha's already hit a record. So, Miedemar is, yeah, a legend in her game for her age as well. And and uh, you, you've interviewed her before, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, when you interview her and, and when you speak to her, you realise, like, that what you see in the penalty area is very much what you get with the person. She's so yeah. chill. like Focused. Yeah, she's so chill and so humble, but at the same time, she's really focused. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, like the first time I interviewed her um, was before she played for us, actually. It was like just before her debut. And, and I kind of said, oh, you know, Arsenal have got three other Dutch players. How how big, um, you know, how big a thing was that for you to convince you to come to Arsenal? And she just went, not at all. She was like, <laughs> yeah, she's really blunt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She was like, not, not at all. Straight to the point. Yeah, yeah. She just went, I, I moved to Germany at 17. There were no Dutch players there. No problem. Not, you know, she's like, I spoke to them, but no, that wasn't. And I was like, okay, 
that's fine. <laughs> and, uh, she's but, clearly not influenced by anything or anyone. She just makes her, she's very headstrong and I yes. like that. Yeah, yeah, big time. And, and I really got that. And I like that sometimes when I interview a player. I like for them to throw me like a little bit of a curveball like that because I was expecting yeah. her to just go, yeah, yeah, you know, that was a big part of it. She just went, no, not at all, not at all. And uh, <laughs> Next question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And she's so like, um, she's so she yeah you're right she she's got this real like nice balance between being very relaxed but you're right like you can mm -hmm. tell that she's laser focused and um yeah yeah i'm i'm delighted that's, for that's her. where she is where she is exactly Player of the year go top goal scorer it makes complete sense and you know it, i mean what I, I don't even know what i was doing at 22 i think i was unemployed <laughs> um, I was still at uni then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, and you know, great for Arsenal as well. And um, and obviously, uh, Jill Rod as well um, scored in Netherlands' first game, injury time mm -hmm. goal. Yeah. Um, really looking forward to seeing her. Although you know she's behind Daniel Van der Donk in the Dutch team, was, and yeah, yeah. She, it, I mean, she's surely going to have that issue again at Arsenal this season. Do you believe so? It, I mean, it depends on how she's used, and obviously we've got the Champions League, so there should be more games. Whether there's some yeah. some rotation, but all, all of the the Dutchies on my Twitter timeline are, are baffled as to why she isn't starting um, for the Netherlands. But that that's quite an interesting one because. But she, it's something to note, though, because many of our players that are in the tournament at the moment are not are not playing in the positions that they normally play in mm. for Arsenal. Yeah, I saw yeah. Lisa Evans playing a complete. She's playing up front when I saw her from Scotland it, uh, against England. It, exactly, and that's that's quite a nice segue. Actually, I was going to talk about the Scottish girls because um, you know, obviously, they they had a really heartbreaking exit. I mean, Kim Little uh, kind of got a goal um, at least in this mm. tournament, but I I don't know about you. I d I just didn't think Kim looked comfortable playing in such a defensive team. Yeah. Um, and and the same with Lisa, because you know, obviously at Arsenal we attack everyone every week, and and for obvious exactly. reasons Scotland don't do that. And I, I didn't think Kim and Lisa quite showed themselves, like showed what I think of. It didn't. It didn't look like a confident start eleven at all, really. No, no. And uh, you know, obviously gutted for Scotland the way they went out, but yeah, I I just didn't. Uh, you know, like I obviously you've seen a lot of Kim and Kim's such a great player I think Lisa Evans is so underrated but I mean Lisa was of course yeah yeah playing like a far more defensive role and sometimes on the left and sometimes central I, d I, d I didn't get the impression that that the Scottish girls were really able to show what we see from them as Arsenal yeah. fans it wasn't the best showcase for them I mean I actually bumped into well I won't mention it but I actually bumped into Joe when I was out there ah nice okay did you get yeah. a word with him yeah, I spoke to him briefly. I tried to get a little word on him about the uh, uh, Scotland performance because it was just after that game. But he didn't give me too much information. He just said he was really um, interested in watching the Matildas. <laughs> he okay. kind of like sidetracked my question. But because um, I, I mentioned it wasn't the greatest showcase for Lisa and Kim. But, um, yeah, yeah. He didn't answer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. So I know Joe is like absolutely not doing any kind of media uh, yeah. for this tournament. He's he's kind of under the radar, and because I'm really interested, he's half Italian. I'm really interested in what he wanted oh, yeah. to happen in in the Australia Italy game, um, yeah. perhaps. And I know like he he speaks Italian, and you know grew up very much in that kind of culture. So, um, and and I suppose like the last. Uh, the last Arsenal players um, to talk about with the Lionesses um, Beth Mead mm -hmm. started two out of the three games I, I think she's played 
pretty well. Obviously, England have Brilliant. like a lot yeah. of a lot of choices, but you know that that assist for Jody kind of that's you know we talk oh, about some of like the Scottish players. Yeah, exactly. Not being able to show what they showed at Arsenal, but that that assist mm. for Jody that's what we've seen from Beth all season at Arsenal, right? Yeah, you get what you see with that one. Yeah, yeah, and um. Uh, but kind of, I suppose, unfortunately, Leah, at, at the time of recording, Leah Williamson hasn't had any minutes yet. Um, and <clears throat> I I feel I was, I was expecting that, to be fair. Yeah, I, same, same. I was expecting that. But I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just like my Arsenal bias coming through and the fact that you know, yeah, I, I really like Leah and that. But I, I feel like that's unfair. We're all waiting for it. Yeah. I spoke to quite a few fans after the, yeah, the England-Scotland game and a lot of them were, and they're not even Arsenal fans, but they were very unimpressed that Leah hasn't started yet because they kept saying numbers don't lie. Anytime yeah. that Leah's played in a uh, in an England game, they haven't lost or come close to losing, uh, which was music to my ears. I wasn't sure on those stats, but they said, yeah, when Leah plays, it's a definite, not clean sheet, but it's very confident that we will win that game. And there was players that were in the defensive positions weren't playing to the highest standards and they felt like Phil was choosing over players over status more than yeah. fitness yeah yeah and I, and I think the thing for Leah the reason she doesn't really get a look in is I don't think Phil thinks that Leah can play with Steph Horton I think he sees yeah. it very much as an either or and therefore Leah's and Steph just plays every minute of every game so Leah's probably yeah. not going to get a look in unless Steph is injured or rested which I mean personally I I don't buy into that I think they could play together I also think that maybe Leah is a bit better than Steph um, although uh, yeah. I'd see like <laughs> yeah <laughs> debatable I'm sure that would be debatable but I'm sure everyone listening will agree <laughs> yeah yeah and, and maybe like Steph is such a good captain to be fair that that, that maybe gives her yeah. a bit of an edge but I, I really hope Leah gets some minutes in this World Cup because I know how I'm much I'm sure she will yeah because Millie's come out uh, I think it was Abby that came in uh, but they Phil has really rotated this squad in the, in the last three games there's been He's rotated a lot of players. There's been different players that's come onto that pitch. So I'm sure, hopefully, in the quarterfinals, she'll get a few minutes under her belt. So those are the Arsenal players at the World Cup. Obviously, we've got some players who aren't at the World Cup um, at the moment. One of those is Katie McCabe, the Irish captain. Uh, Pippa and I uh, went down to London Colney um, before the World Cup started a few weeks ago to do some interviews. Um, and we spoke to Katie um, about her season, fantastic season that she's had. Um, so let's roll that interview now and we'll be back with you in a minute. Okay, joining me now is Arsenal midfielder, forward, left back, again, right depending, back, right back, depending <laughs> on uh, which day of the week it is, uh, Katie McCabe. Katie, thank you very Hi, much yeah, uh, for joining us. Um, Katie, I think um, that there were a few Arsenal players that really could and should have been in the PFA team of the year and I really think that you're one of them um, how do you evaluate very kind of how do you because you know you're in double figures for goals uh, I think double figures for assists as well this season uh, including all competitions maybe yeah. not too sure yeah so a lot of end product uh, there this season how do you feel you've come on as a player yeah, definitely. I think um, since coming back from Glasgow um, and coming back into into Joel's side, then it was um, he's really um, he's worked with me and the team um, 
yeah to go forward really and um, and and create that end product which I, I struggled with having in my game when I first came over here and um, obviously in the year and a half I've been under him um, at the end of the season obviously we finished off with a title but individually I've, I felt like um, felt like I've helped the team in every way I could um, and that is obviously down to to Joe's support um, I think training with um, high quality teammates and players that we have here obviously helps you up your game every single day you train so you always have to be at your best and I think having that um, yeah, having that challenge every day in training has definitely yeah, pushed me on to, to better myself as a player and uh, I read uh, an interview you did I think it was in the Irish Times um, after the Brighton game and you said uh, there was a phrase that really jumped out at me in that interview um, you, know, you talked about coming back from Glasgow City on loan and, uh, and you talked about falling in love with football again yeah uh, no, sorry, go on. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was just going to say, um, how, how was it? Because over the last 18 months, you kind of came back and you went from being not quite a, like a high-level squad player to being where well, you've played more games than anyone else this season. So what's that journey been like for you personally over the last 18 months? Yeah, no, it's been great. Obviously, I struggled um, trying to get some minutes and get into the team. And I did come up, first come over as a 19-year-old with Pedro and... Um, for me, I just wanted game time, and I think that was the only way I was going to uh, progress. Um, obviously, being named Irish captain, then I had that kind of responsibility to be playing and come home and play for Ireland and, and perform at that level. So, for me, going to Glasgow on loan, um, I'm really grateful for them taking me in under the wing and, and playing week in, week out. Um, but that definitely uh, changed my mindset. I, I came back in, um, I was better mentally and physically. Um, and then obviously with the, the new structure of the club with, with Pedro leaving and, and Joe, I think it was just basically a fresh start for me. A second chance, if you like. And for me, I'm, I feel quite lucky because you don't get second chances like that in football, never mind that club at Arsenal. So I think for Joe coming in and, um, and yeah, as I said, working <laughs> working with me and, and the girls, it's, uh, it's been terrific. And you can see the way we've um, performed this season. It's been it's been great and exciting from the uh, from the start and doing it with our style and our style of play is, uh, makes it even better. And, uh, you know, you, you said you came over when you were 19 and uh, another thing you said in that interview is that perhaps you were too young, that perhaps the move to Arsenal came a bit too early yeah. um, for you. Um, was that was that footballing or personal? Or I think it was more personal. Um, I come from a big family. of uh, I'm one of 11, so it's quite, yeah, coming uh, away from a big family and, and into like a new world a new city a new club um, that that's what I struggled with um, so yeah you could say too early but I think everything happens for a reason I'm a firm believer in that and um, I think that year and a first year and a half year and a bit um, my first year at the club was um, definitely uh, <laughs> made me pull my socks up then when I went to, to Glasgow and, and work hard and um, yeah better myself really and uh, you're, you, I mean, I think you had probably one of the team highlights of the season as well with that goal at Birmingham. Um, and I was kind of, I was at that game, and I, I felt like during the second half that was the first time I detected maybe a bit of anxiety in the team, realizing how big that game was and how much they needed that goal. Is that your personal moment of the season when you saw that shot hit the back of the net against Birmingham? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, starting every game, um, well, not every game, starting when I can is obviously great because it shows you you've been working hard during the week and training, but 
Yeah, for me personally, we knew going into that game we needed to win it to secure a Champions League spot and that was one of our targets at the start of the season was to get back, get this club back into the Champions League. Um, so yeah, going into the game, obviously we had, we were very unlucky in the first half with some of the chances we had, um, but the girls would slag me over because they seen me do it, I think two or three times before that, the same cut in and, and, shot, and shoot, but um, I think it got blocked and it got saved mm. and stuff, so... They even said afterwards when they see me do it again, they were kind of not annoyed, but then they went in and it went in and they were they were happy with it. No, but for me it was um, it was obviously a really nice moment to score that goal to get this club back into the Champions League and put us in a in a good position for for the title race. Um, so yeah, no, that was that would have been yeah definitely yeah, one of my highlights. And I uh, just spoke to Louise about um, some of the kind of great Irish players that have, that have been at Arsenal and kind of being on the honours board with the likes of Emma Burnley, Fahi, Yvonne Tracy and, and players like that. But um, actually I wanted to ask you what um, how important it is for you to have Louise here um, as well, kind of both uh, you know Irish international teammates, but um, how your bond is um, together in the team and, and, and how that kind of um, how that makes you feel kind of part of the furniture here at Arsenal, I guess. Yeah, no, definitely. I think when I first came over, I had Emma here, um, which was obviously a, a great shoulder to lean on well, on mm. her experience. And then when she left, um, I was in, yeah, probably lost a little bit, obviously, of, of good friends here as well. But then obviously Louise came after the whole North County uh, scenario, which was great. And she's done terrific when she's come here. And we kind of had a moment after the Brighton game um, in the changing room and just kind of says to each other, like, this is... Like basically amazing to to be to be doing this with you and um, yeah, kind of entering that. Okay, we're now one of the Irish Arsenal ladies who've Arsenal women even who've won a league title, so we can now join obviously likes of Emma Bourne, uh, Nee Fahey, Yvonne Tracy, Kira Grant. Um, so it's really special because I, I've I've always looked on I've always looked uh, looked at games on the TV and seeing Emma Bourne lifting cups mm. fun. So to now say I was part of that and hopefully be well be lifting it on Saturday is uh, is really special and obviously to have Louise there doing it with me is even better because there's a lot of Dutch there's a lot of English there's yeah, yeah. Scottish so to have me and Louise uh, as me little mate uh, big mate <laughs> uh, she uh, no it's 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 nice to be sharing it uh, with a fellow uh, fellow Irish woman. Okay, well, as I said, I think you've had a, an excellent season, Katie. Congratulations. Appreciate it. And uh, look forward to watching on Saturday. Hopefully uh, you'll pick the next PFA team. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back. That was our case in the cave. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see her showcase herself at the World Cup, but she's had an amazing season at Arsenal this season. Don't you think, Tim? Yeah, yeah. She, she's um, she, probably the most improved player. Um, I think Arsenal, like I, I liked her when she signed, but I didn't ever really see her as like a superstar or anything. But yeah, she played more minutes than any other player um, this season and in several different positions as well. She played fullback, wingback, central midfield, right-hand side, uh, forward. And, you know, I, I think her goal against Birmingham in March, possibly the oh, biggest yeah. goal of the season um, for Arsenal. One of, one of my favourites. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And obviously, we we spoke to her about that in the interview. But um, yeah, she she's she's had she's had an absolutely fantastic season, and uh, and I'm I'm uh, maybe a little bit happy she's not at the World Cup, not for her, but like <laughs> just for her to go away and have like a good summer break and and hopefully come back and and kind of do what she was doing again next season. It's always nice for someone for a player like that to have a break because I know a few seasons ago she had a broken leg. I don't know how mm. players and athletes come back mentally and physically from something like that but she's really come into herself for Arsenal this season she's been a joy to watch yeah absolutely and and obviously she had that loan spell at Glasgow City just before mm-hmm. Joe arrived and she went there she won a league title she was playing every week and I think that's that's just made all the difference for her yeah. in terms the of confidence. her confidence yeah, yeah exactly exactly and uh I mean I guess speaking about her confidence um you know she did she did an interview in the irish independent um recently where she kind of yeah yeah where she she i this was kind of an open secret i think in women's football i I don't think she ever really hid it per se but you know her and her partner ruesha littlejohn who plays for london bees they kind of to mark pride month um they they went public about their relationship which is is fantastic and and you know Katie was talking about you know perhaps as captain of Ireland you know <clears throat> excuse me it's on me to to be a bit of a role model so that you know that's that's great for both yeah. of them I mean it's really inclusive in women's football anyway but I must I must say personally in men's and women's and any type of sports I don't actually pay attention to things like this but no. it's really nice uh, for people to come out and uh just express themselves and let you know that it's, it's an inclusive environment that we're in in this women's game. Um, so it's nice Indeed. to do that. Yeah, exactly. And look, we we know that there are there are lots of couples and there are you know there, there yeah. are lots and lots of gay players in in women's football. And Katie kind of says that in the interview. Look, this is this is quite a forgiving environment to do that in. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Just all for you know, if they want to be public about it, whether they don't want to be public about it, whatever or whatever feels comfortable yeah. for them is 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 fantastic. Exactly. Touching back on the World Cup again, because we are in the swing of things in summer. Mm. There's been this huge debate. I don't know. I'm sure you've tweeted about this as well. <laughs> uh, I think everyone's been talking about it with Emma Hayes' comment on smaller goals in women's football. I mean, mm. personally, I think that is absolutely ridiculous uh, because my son even plays with those goals and he's not he's not even a teenager yet. So I couldn't quite get her standpoint on it, where she was coming from, that women need smaller goals for this for women's games yeah so I 
I, I don't think I agree. I mean, I, I don't think I have a strong opinion on it, right? Because first of all, I'm not sure it's my place to have a strong opinion on it. I, th- I think it should be up to like the players <laughs> and the yeah. goalkeepers themselves, maybe. But um, I, I think where Emma was coming from was, you know, almost using like the example of women's tennis, where it's three sets instead of five or women's golf, where, you know, they they tee off differently and things like that and I, th- I think where Emma's coming from really is saying that look men's football need not be considered the absolute gold standard it's just a version and you know football wasn't mm-hmm. really made with women in mind and therefore you know it's uh, I, the phrase I'd use is like acknowledgement of difference is not necessarily admission of inferiority it's, it's just it's she's not saying like goalkeepers are crap she's just saying look they're about five or six inches shorter that's just a fact of life but i i think i'm with you i, d- I don't think Whoa. it's <laughs> I, d- I don't think it's really an issue in terms of um yeah it, it's not like all the games are finishing seven five like the goals don't seem out of control and yeah there are more long-range goals i think in women's football but i, d- I don't think that's a problem i, d- I don't I don't know if you like that affects your kind of entertainment with with the game. The fact that a twenty five no, those, those are some of the most enjoyable goals to watch, really, especially for the younger audience. I know every time my son says goals when he watches the highlights back, he's like, "Whoa, did you see that? Whoa, that's crazy!" Like people love to see stuff like that. They're, it's, it's entertaining yeah yeah so that you know that's maybe like a feature and not a bug and look like women like women's football's not new it's it's been going you know it's mm-hmm. been happening for like over 100 years and like all of the last world cups have had these size goals and for me I, th- I think it's more about like coaching right it's about women footballers yeah. at the top level and this is only at the top level most women footballers still do not have goalkeepers coaches at the top level they're just beginning to in the last few years and you look at like the Chile goalkeeper Christiane Endler um, another yeah. been amazing this tournament she plays for PSG she's a full time professional she has daily goalkeeping coaching and mm-hmm. the size of the goals haven't been an issue for her mm-hmm. so I don't know about you but for me I think that's more you know like once the, as the game professionalises just access to better coaching seems to be exactly with anything the more you train the more you practice the better you will be so if you're not used to goalkeeping training of course it's going to it's going to feel like you're literally a like so small in that big goal but once you have the correct training and how to position yourself and how to defend goals from all angles it will become second nature indeed indeed yeah yeah completely agree but I, I just think maybe people didn't quite like I understand that there's a defensiveness on on the subject and I don't think Emma was quite coming from where people think she was coming from but nevertheless I I don't think I agree but I, I probably don't have a strong opinion on it to be honest yeah <laughs> true i've never been a goalkeeper i mean, I, I, I wouldn't want to be to be honest yeah yeah indeed <laughs> it's, it's not the easiest job the other main talking point of the tournament has to be var i mean it's been absolutely that's another ridiculous thing ridiculous is going to be the, the key word of this <laughs> podcast this week this month because the use of var has been it hasn't been handled well and i know it's new to football in general but it hasn't been exhausted the way it should be yeah, I, I I agree. I think it's been like um, a little bit farcical at this tournament, to be quite honest. So I'm I'm not a fan anyway, to say the least. I don't like the idea. Yeah. I personally, I don't, I don't really care about refereeing errors. I don't think it's like 
a big error that needs fixing i'm i'm fine with it but i i get some people aren't and that's okay but yeah i think some of this like you know you, you look at the the way scotland were eliminated and because the goalkeeper came about a quarter oh. inch off of her line and this obsession with quarters of inches and you know you know the the one that's that's actually annoyed me the most in this tournament is the offside flags going up like 30 seconds late mm-hmm. like after the offsides i found yeah. that what is that about what yeah because they're told basically to let the move end before they call offside just in oh, case they review it and it's not and yeah maybe i just need to get used to it i found that really Honestly. jarring yeah from a viewer's point it became confusing at times i was thinking wait i know that was offside but what's the flag up now for because i'm not sure what else has happened i thought something another incident happened because it doesn't make sense the way they've done it yeah it becomes very slows the game down for the fans and and must be for the players as well but it's really irritating to watch because it just loses the flow of the game yeah yeah i i i completely agree and i i think i think um in this tournament there's there's a few things that they'll they'll take from this tournament and they won't do anymore i think that kind of goalkeeper moving on the line piece for example i I can't see them keeping that um and it's kind of a shame that they've used something like a women's world cup to work some of that out because it shouldn't really be a testing ground but but there we go it seems impossible to save goals with that technique yeah. It seems absolutely impossible. It's in all favour for the penalty taker because it's just what do you do if you can't even move off the line until you know it's ridiculous. In yeah. Nobody has that speed reaction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's not like, you know, things are hard enough for goalkeepers and defenders. I don't think yeah. we need to make it that much harder, but yeah, there you go. At, at, at the very least, the the one positive I'd say about this, it's been nice to watch the debate over this on like social media yeah and you know people engaging with women's football just as football yeah. without like you know i don't know social commentary or debating whether it's worthwhile or anything like that but just talking yeah. about it as a normal football match that that's the one thing i think i've taken from this yeah i've loved it it's been really nice seeing all the, all the conversations as well but speaking of defenders i yes. must touch back on this we yeah. uh Tim and I headed down to London Colony, as you know, and we spoke to our defender, Louise Quinn. So here's that interview. Uh, we're now joined by Arsenal centre-half Louise Quinn. Louise, thank you very much um, for joining us. Uh, Louise, after the Brighton game, I, I read an interview that you did with the Irish Times, um, and you were reflecting on the fact that almost two years to the day between winning the title with Arsenal... Um, you had the situation with Notts County where the club kind of folded very, very suddenly. Um, and that, that must have been like a really, really scary experience at the time. And looking back on that, um, do you think it, it's hard to say like, you know, things work out for the best and everything like that, but how much do you think that experience has taught you, um, you know, as a person as much as a football player? Um, yeah, I think just in in general, it, it kind of you know definitely told you know taught me just not to take things for granted, you know, to work as hard as you can no matter what situation you're in. But then you know also sometimes a bit a bit about life after football, um, you know, especially for uh, you know female footballers, it's you know it's definitely a massively growing game. But you know, as soon as I maybe retire you know I'm just ha- going to have to go in straight away get a job and you know go into the, the real world um, so yeah so it definitely made me you know 
think about everything when it comes to my football, just play and enjoy it. You just you, you don't know when something might happen that might just kind of take it away from you, even if it's just briefly or, you know, and, and that's the same, in, including injuries and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, definitely it just made me, uh, I think it made me more determined, um, you know, and, I, and Arsenal then just, that just definitely gave me a huge, uh, a huge chance to, you know, to, to prove that, to prove that to, uh, you know, to myself that I can do that. And um, your career's... Had... <laughs> And uh, your career's had quite an interesting trajectory in in this kind of uh, in this respect. And uh, I, I, I guess, like for our listeners and for our viewers, um, I'm quite interested in getting you to explain how your move to Sweden came about before you came back to England. Is it right that you put together your own video short, basically? Yeah, basically, it took me um, seven hours to do seven minutes uh, video. Um, yeah, listen, it just got to a stage where I, where I did. I just really wanted to to play abroad. Um, and I suppose then I, I had been in, in touch with, you know, some of my Irish teammates, one of my good friends, Fiona O'Sullivan, and, you know, she put me then in touch with, with her agent um, or an agent that she knew. And, yeah, you know, she, she had at the same time, you know, told me, she was like, you know, I play, I've played in Sweden, I've played, you know, abroad. Like, I think, I think you can do it and... You know that was that was it, and you know that was me. I wanted to do it, so yeah, I uh, slogged and made you know the best clips that I could, uh, the best things that I could do, and um, yeah, it was uh, it was it was tedious, but um, yeah, it, it just came about, and you know I, I ended up in a club, Eskos Tuna, and you know, my agent told me that they were yeah they're in the second division, but they're a, a you know a, a club with a lot of ambitions, and that was you know that was exactly what it was and I think they recruited some of the best people and the best players that they they could have at the time and you know starting then second division and finishing playing in the last eight in in Champions League it was a you know quite a quite a journey for me and um so what did you do with the video once you made it did you just send it out to agents did you send it out to clubs yeah yeah it was um shamelessly put on YouTube and uh, <laughs> yeah like and then you know yeah the, my agent had it and yeah he just he just sent it sent it to clubs and you know I, I was uh, I you know ended up you know friends with you know the coach that w- that was there at the time Victor Erickson and he was like I didn't really look at it I looked at maybe like and I was like I put so much work into that but he was just like I saw little bits I read about you and that was it so I, you know I just wanted you here so and how is your Swedish? You spent two years over there, is that right? Four years. Four years. Yes. Four years. Um, I know it, they speak a lot of English there. Exactly. But. So it's maybe not as good as it uh, as it should be. Um, yeah, because our, our training sessions were done in English. Um, I do in general struggle with languages, and mm. you know, in general, a lot of people want to speak English with you. So even when I went to cafes or something and tried to speak Swedish, uh, they spoke back in English to me. So I was just like. Point, but um, no, I like I know bits, and I definitely got to a stage there where I could I, I could understand a lot of the conversations, and but then the speaking was yeah a little bit more difficult. But you know I, I got there. And uh, when you came to Arsenal as well, I mean it, it wasn't you know you came from Notts County, and and initially it was just a contract for the spring series, right? So it's still only a short term contract, and bit by bit you've kind of fought for longer and longer contracts. Um, and, uh, and 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 I, I read. Uh, well, actually, I spoke to Joe after the Brighton game, and he he talked about you. There was an Irish Times journalist mm. there. He asked about you, and uh, 
he, he kind of he spoke a lot about your evolution from um, this kind of typical centre half, shall we say, to this kind of ball playing centre half that that can play not can, not just that can play Joe Montemora's football but really really thrive um, with Joe Montemora's football so your journey as a footballer um, in your two years at Arsenal has, has been really really quite significant I think yeah I think to even you know to take on such a, a different role as a centre half has been a huge a huge challenge to me and you know in in the trainings I have uh, I've failed plenty um, you know even the other day just had a disaster of a day but but that's the thing I'm just going to keep trying keep keep trying to make you know to do implement what Joe wants us to do if, if I want to be on that in that starting 11 and on the pitch you know I'm, I'm going to do it and I'm going to try it and I'm going to put you know everything everything I've got into it and um, yeah and you know and, and he's he's trusted me and he's had confidence and you know, I, I hear him on the sideline when you know when he when he tells you to to dribble with the ball and yeah take them on and you know and then when you know that you've got the likes of Leah there beside you who's going to come in and cover you and you know because I know as well as soon as she goes off running I'm, I'm tucking in right behind her so you know it's nice to know that that we ha- we have each other's backs there and you know but also the movement in front of me for the girls that want the ball is you know is is ideal um you know their positioning their their body shape their everything so you know it's it's yeah i've i've had the confidence to try to try do it and to play forwards um you know a lot more but the girls in front of me have definitely made it easier and uh, our website's based in dublin so it'd be completely remiss of me not to ask um, about the kind of Irish tradition uh, at Arsenal ladies slash Arsenal women and again I read in the Irish Times piece you talking about this this kind of awareness of the likes of Neve Fahey and Emma Byrne um, and Yvonne Tracy and and now you are an Irish league champion um, at Arsenal and, and I know you're, you're a very proud Irish woman as well so um, how much uh, how much kind of pride does that give you to join uh, the list of kind of great Irish players at Arsenal women uh, yeah definitely uh, definitely near the, the bottom of the list the girls have won so many trophies and you know we have you know we have some serious catching up to do there but you know to be even hopefully put in the same category as them is uh, is fantastic and you know myself and Katie know that there's always been the Irish representation here across the board in Arsenal is uh, has always been very strong so you know we are extremely proud to uh, you know to keep it going and you know and then hopefully that will let you know other other young girls believe that they can that they can come to this club as well um, you know even when I saw the girls um, Yvonne Kier and Eve playing here years ago I still I think it let me believe that I could that I can I can go abroad and play everywhere but to actually think that I would be you know wearing an Arsenal jersey the like them, um, I don't think I did quite believe that. Uh, but. And a kind of final question to wrap up. Um, obviously, Ireland are going to the World Cup this summer, and I'm interested in how much qualifying for the Champions League means perhaps to you and Katie, because you know a lot of your teammates um, will be going to France, and and you know to be kind of on that international stage as a player. How much more important is that? Um, is that for you to be playing um, in European competition next year? Yeah, it's huge. Obviously, we were, you know, we were gutted about the World Cup, but when it came down to it, in our in our group, we, you know, we met some, you know, the, t- the top two seeds, you know, in Europe, and uh, you know, and, and just at the time, we just weren't good enough. So, um, yeah, to have to have at least still this opportunity to 
to gain more experience to be back in the Champions League with with Arsenal, which you know I think we can do incredibly well in if you know if we continue to play how we're playing and you know and, and strengthen that that squad even more and and implement even more of what Joe wants us to do. Um, yeah, we're in with we're in with a massive chance, and again, just gonna just gonna work 100% all the time to be on that pitch because you know the competition's gonna be you know amazing coming in for for next season. So um, yeah, hopefully hopefully we can just keep working hard for that. I know uh, we look forward to watching you. Uh, thank you very much Lewis, thank you. for joining us. Cheers. Lovely to hear from Louise there. One of my favourites. I know I shouldn't have favourites, but it's so nice to have a player that that joins like on a short term, not expecting to stay at a, a top flight club like Arsenal and have, has excelled, now signed a new contract. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, you know, um, obviously we spoke to her a little bit about how her kind of Arsenal career came about, but I love that story she tells about um, when she was, you know, when she was in Ireland and she figured out she wanted to be a professional footballer and she edited her own highlights video and sent it out to agents. I love that. That's so funny how we do. Yeah. And, and yeah, and then ends up like getting a club in Sweden and just randomly going and living there for three years. And and I think it's really important to tell these stories about women's footballers that they're, for, for want of a better phrase, they're normal people and they have normal concerns and they don't earn millions, uh, you know, like men's footballers and they make these sacrifices. So, I, you know, I, I think that's one of my yeah. favourite stories I've heard from an Arsenal player. It's top class. It's not only is it the definition of YOLO, YOLO, you only live once. <laughs> it's also showing people that if you chase your dreams and, you know, you really put your mind to it, like, look where you can end up, playing for a professional team. Indeed, indeed. And um, <laughs> I guess talking about chasing dreams, do we want to do some World Cup predictions? Let's do it, because I've had the boldest of predictions since the beginning of this tournament, and they change all the time. <laughs> You know, a tournament, everything, everything unexpected. You never know what you're going to get. So, yeah, I have changed again. Yeah, I, I, have. I, I yeah. Who are you going for for the win? So, I still think France. So it looks Ooh. like France and the US are probably going to end up playing in the quarterfinal, and I just fancy the fact that France are on home soil to to just do it. And if the, if they beat US, I think they'll go and win it. So France. Yeah, they'll definitely beat USA with the with the help of VAR. So <laughs> <laughs> true. No, you never know. Who are you going um, for for winner? You're not going to believe I'm going to say this because this makes absolutely no sense as it stands right now. Although obviously they qualified, uh, but you know, last 16, anything happened. I'm going to have the boldest of bold predictions. Go for it. And simply because my fav, a lot of my favourite players are in this team. I am saying Netherlands. Can you believe I've done that? Okay. Oh my god. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I mean, I'd I'm love to see them do it. And I'm saying Mead and my golden boot. There you go. I said it. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So gold, golden boot for me. I, at time of recording, Sam Kerr and Alex Morgan are tied on five goals. Mm. And I think that Alex Morgan is going to take it just. I think she might score one more. Um, and I think that will probably be enough uh, for her to take the golden boot. So I'm I'm going to say Alex Morgan. What about- She's the clear winner. She's the clear winner for the golden boot, isn't it? I, I, I joked about this the other day and said Wendy Renard might take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, well, I've I've been writing for um, a betting site uh, about this tournament. In my tournament preview, like I saw, she was a hundred to one for the golden oh. boot, and I said 
put a pound on that because she takes penalties and she's great from set pieces. Exactly. Yeah, that could be a sound shout, actually. She's on three at the moment, and if they go all the way, she has actually got a chance, which would be incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) What what about player of the tournament? Who do you think is going to take that? I was actually going to give it to her, Wendy Bernard. Yeah. For the home nation, as you said, she's great on set pieces. She's she's one of the uh, she's like a national treasure treasure for France. Obviously, she's played yeah. Leon as well. So um, I feel like she has a lot of attention on her at the moment. And I feel like she will really deliver and give the fans what they want. And I think she will be nominated player of the tournament. I I completely agree um, because usually defenders don't get that much credit, but because she yeah. scores goals as well, I think that will swing it for her as well. If it, you know. I'm assuming France are going to go all the way and win it, so it's probably going to be a France player to take player of the tournament. I think the US yeah. are going to go out in the quarterfinals, so I think that will take a lot of them out of it. Um, so, yeah, I, I completely it's, agree. It's the year of the defender, man. I mean, I know I shouldn't mention it on an Arsenal podcast, but, you know, Virgil van Dijk, she's been likened to him for all the set course set pieces in the corner. So and They do look it, it a little makes, bit alike as well. Yeah, it has I've to be seen said. that on Twitter as well. I've seen that on Twitter. It's the hairstyle. Yeah, yeah, very much so. So, OK, um, I guess time will tell if we're right or wrong um, about that. Um, and maybe even by the time you listen to this podcast, some of those predictions will be firmly in the bin. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, but thank you all very much for joining Pippa and myself on this edition of the Arsenal Women Askcast. And thank you, of course, to our very special guests, uh, Irish pair Katie McCabe and Louise Quinn we we did a few more interviews down at London Colney so we'll kind of uh, continue drip feeding those over the summer with the likes of Lisa Evans Emma Mitchell who of course was left out of the Scotland squad sadly um, she hadn't heard about that at the time that we actually spoke to her so um, it'll be interesting listening back to that but um, yeah thank you all so much for listening um, hope you're all really enjoying the World Cup hope you've all bought your tickets for the Emirates Cup to see the girls there yes Pippa thank you very much um, as you. well hope you really enjoy France um, yeah I'll be back out there soon so I'm looking forward to that cool cool and perhaps we'll catch up um, at the end of the tournament to kind of unpick everything that happened in France this summer definitely cool okay Thank you very much for listening and we'll speak to you again next time. See you. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.